Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We're also available live. You can stream us live worldwide at radionorthland.org. And that's where you can also listen uh, to past episodes of Rasslin' Memories. You can go to on the website. There's a Rasslin' Memories page that will link you up to classic episodes from the past six seasons onto our SoundCloud page at Radio Northland. It's good, good, good stuff. And if you have a smartphone, like most of the uh, planet Earth uh, does, except for for maybe a few pets, uh, you can uh, check out uh, the TuneIn app. You can listen to us live uh, through that uh, you know, as well. Glenn Broggett, without the grizzled veteran Michael McCurdy this week, uh, I think he's taken a little time off. Uh, you know, it's getting to be the end of the summer. Maybe he wants to get a little time away before uh, school starts. I don't know. But anyway, he says he'll be back soon enough and in due time and be ready to roll again with wrestling memories. I, too, am uh, going to be uh, traveling as this uh, episode airs. And I, you know, I needed to get an episode together. I didn't want to leave the uh, show out in the lurch and, and, and put us in, in, in repeatville just yet. So I, I put out the Call at the Rasslin' Memories Then and Now Facebook uh, group page. And one of our uh, members uh, and a past uh, guest on Rasslin' Memories said, Hey, man, I'm down with that. Let's, uh, let's, let's set up a time. And I was like, Yeah, I am down with that too. So we booked it up. And the fir- last, first time we had him on, the last time fr- we uh, had him on the program, he was with, uh, t- you know, along on the show, we had a great interview discussing his book about his grandmother. Christine Teeny Jarrett, and this is a great book called Teeny Professional Wrestling's uh, Grand Dame. And we talked about the book, talked about how he put it together. And, uh, you know, and at the, at the end of the interview, he was starting to uh, go on the road and take his show out and start promoting the book uh, because it was only out for a few months at that point. And he was here and that was kind of where we left off when he was here. So this week, kind of coinciding with my own traveling, uh, I, I want to talk with uh, the man who's been traveling around promoting his book, Teeny Wrestling's Grand Dame. Talk some, uh, about some Teeny Jarrett and uh, also just talk traveling in general because this guy is no stranger to uh, planes and trains and cars and boats. Uh, he's uh, the grandson of uh, Christine Jarrett. He's Mr. Brennan Martin, and Brennan, welcome back to Wrestling Memories. I put out the call, my friend, and you came out and answered my SOS, and, and, and thank you because I would have been SOL. Well, Glenn, I appreciate you letting me back on. I, I would be happy to come on anytime you need somebody. Oh, absolutely, and uh, definitely uh, coming through in the pinch. I mean, look, at I had my own co-host uh, on vacation. Uh, he, he'll probably call me right after this interview has concluded and said, Oh, I, uh, I, I, was there an interview today? But I, I'm letting him off the hook. He, he's got, he's got a couple of kids to tend to, and it's getting to be school time. And you know, I got, I got to give him a little bit of a, 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 a little bit of a, a slack, at least. You know, not quite a short leash on him here. Well, everybody needs a little slack sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the road takes us all kinds of different places. And like I mentioned before, uh, when you were last on the program, Brennan, uh, we were talking about your the book, uh, you know, how it came together, your researching, uh, you know, kind of learning a little bit more uh, about the life of, of your, your famed grandmother, Christine, and who spent some 50 years in the pro wrestling business. And boy... Uh, you know, getting out and getting the message, uh, the word out about the book. I mean, this goes beyond just, you know, sitting and being a guest on various podcasts of which you've done and, and have been doing some great stuff on those podcasts, but you have been out on the road. And when we first the kind of last, or when we last spoke, you were talking about your, one of your first earlier trips out to promote it in a re at an independent show. Uh, talk about the, the road and, and talk about just getting the message out about your book. Well, I tell you that, that, 
tour or teeny book tour as I, as I called it, uh, was so much fun. Uh, last summer I went to probably about 20 shows over the course of, uh, six weeks or so just hitting little towns throughout Teeny's former territory in Kentucky and, and also in Tennessee, going to these little independent matches and, and, and setting up a table and, and selling books. And uh, it, it was a great time. I mean, I, I, I didn't really know before I started this process of selling the book how vibrant the independent small promotion world still is. You know, I've been, I was never really involved in wrestling and, and I, I can't even claim to have to be that much of a current wrestling fan. I, I was, I was a fan as a kid and, and I like the old school stuff, but I just, I don't follow these days. And so when I went out and started, when I decided I was going to do this and started looking into it, I was just dumbfounded at how many little towns are running regular shows. And by that, I mean, every week, uh, whether it's Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Uh, there's uh, so many little places throughout the South have a little arena where they run shows every week. And the crowds, although small in most cases, were just absolutely into it. And they had the local stars and they didn't care that it was a, a small stage uh, with a small crowd. I mean, people were into it and, and just loved it. And, and seeing that and, uh, was was really a, uh, it was a it was a delight. I got to tell you. I mean, it it showed me that the heart of of wrestling uh, is very much alive, and there's a lot of options to see it if you live in the right parts of the country. Uh, that uh, if you you know besides just the the big shows that uh, WWE and an impact put on. Mm. Did, you, did you feel like some sort of, uh, I guess, uh, more of a, a connection to your grandmother when you were, were going on this book tour to promote the book as to getting that feel of why it stayed in the blood with her and why she was involved with the professional wrestling uh, business for so many years? Did you get a little bit more of a, of a feeling of a perspective, uh, you know, from, the, from maybe just feeling that essence of what made it so great and what made it so special for her, aside from just putting food on the table? It was, it was something that was you know, something for which you became a legend in which, uh, uh, you know, you wrote a lovely, lovely book about. Absolutely. I mean, Teeny, I've said this a, a bunch of times, Teeny was a fan of wrestling fans. And she absolutely loved her regular customers that came every week. And in the first chapter in the book, I talk about, you know, one of the stories I tell is how, uh, you know, a lot of these folks didn't have a, a lot of money to spare. Uh, they, they were working class people, but nevertheless, they would come every week and what little money they did have, uh, they would spend on wrestling, whether it was buying tickets or photos uh, from the picture table uh, or, or or what have you. And she was just very, very appreciative of the fact that uh, that they loved it so much. And, and she always wanted to respect them and, and put on the best show that she could. And they showed her thanks by bringing her food out of their garden. And this was a regular event where, you know, they'd show up and, uh, you know, somebody would give her a, a bag full of corn or a bag full of beans or, or, or a bunch of tomatoes or what have you. And that was, that was what they had. And that was the way that they showed their appreciation for her. And so when I was out on the road last summer, I, I mean, I, I felt that same affinity for the fans that, uh, that she did. Now, I, I don't by any way want to compare her generosity and what she did for them to what I was doing. I just, I got it. I understood 
why she loved them so much because they, they loved what she was doing so much. Um, and she respected them enough to want to do the best that she could for them week in, week out, year after year. And that's so cool to hear about just how, you know, you get that genuine uh, family, familial vibe uh, with some of these wrestling companies with their fans. Uh, and, and you say, you know, it may, it may not be the biggest crowds, uh, but it's the ones who are there that have such a deep uh, love and respect for it. And, and, and hearing, you know, you're talking about how your grandmother, you know, how they would bring her stuff like that, though, that, that really kind of just brings it back to just how, how real and, and how tangible and approachable uh, some of the aspects of, of pro wrestling can really be uh, as far as uh, interacting with their fans, especially when you get down to those independent levels. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that was also clear, like I said, was that the the fans love their local stars and and, and the stars really appreciated that. And there's there's a a small handful of those folks that I've gotten to know uh, and and gotten to be friends with on Facebook and just the, the way that they interact with their fans and the way that they uh, show their appreciation. I mean, that's, that's still an, an important part of the business. Uh, it's an important part of any business. Uh, but in the wrestling business, you really see the promoters uh, and, and others. Um, you know, I don't think they take that for granted. And I, and I think some of those shows too, they, they really kind of take it back to uh, more of the of that old school uh, uh, mode of pro wrestling in regards to like all shapes and sizes and all characters and sizes. It, it, you know, back in the day, you would see you know your muscle guys, but you would also see some guys that you, you could relate to. But also, you would see the oddities, the the, the bigger stu- uh, the bigger larger athletes, or or this the uh, the fatter men. You know, it was kind of just like a circus in and of itself, and you can kind of see that to a degree on on the end. Independent scene. What were some of the moments that you can remember of just going to these shows and be like, uh, kind of like, just kind of caught your eye, like that? That, that that's something I don't see uh, every day, and and that really kind of interests me. But and I would never have seen this, uh, you know, if I wouldn't have uh, taken a chance and, and taken this uh, book tour thing out on the road to some of those uh, areas of the country. Well, I think there's probably a bunch of examples of that, but a couple of the ones that sort of stand out for me, and and what really stood out for me was just the variety of types of shows that were put on uh, in these small towns and the types of wrestling that you would see. So for instance, uh, there was one that I went to um, out in uh, Western Tennessee in Dyersburg. And, and I just, I feel terrible that I'm forgetting the name of the promotion because I, I saw so many of these and I don't have my notes handy. Uh, but they, um, you know, they insisted on a very clean show. Like they, there was, they, they made announcements, you know, there's no cursing, uh, whether from the wrestlers or from the crowd. And I know that would have made Teeny very happy because that's one of the things that she really insisted upon was, you know, don't use any foul language because she wanted it to be a family affair. She thought that, you know, if you keep it clean, it's just about the competition in the ring and, and, and no foul language and, and staying away from the arena rats and things like that. She, she thought, well, you know, I can sell four tickets to a, to a family as opposed to uh, just two tickets to uh, the adults uh, or, or maybe just one because somebody's got to stay home with the kids uh, if, the, uh, if the show were to get, uh, you know, to be a little less wholesome, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of funny to think about that, you know, a, a, a fight being wholesome. But nevertheless, that's the way she looked at it. And so that was one that, that really caught my attention. And then there was another uh, show that I went to that I was absolutely stunned by the fact that I bet they, uh, between you know, all night long, 
there wasn't more than 20% of the action that happened in the ring. This was a promotion where everything happened out on the floor and throwing chairs. And, uh, you know, I, I began to wonder at times if my book table was going to get knocked over as they came back toward the concession stand, things like that. And so that was just a very different show that I, from what I had ever seen before. And that one was also, uh, they, you know, they were using, uh, some, they were using some fake blood to do some, to, to turn it into some juice matches and things like that. Um, and, and so that was something that, that I really wasn't expecting and, and, and showed a, a completely different style. Uh, you know, and then there were just, I, I think the, I also enjoyed seeing at pretty much every show, there was that one little old lady who was screaming her head off, uh, getting completely worked up over it. And, and my great grandmother was that little old lady back in the day. And I had, so I have a certain affinity uh, for those uh, for that particular uh, variety of wrestling fans. So I enjoyed seeing that, that that's still alive and well and, 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 and represented pretty much everywhere you, that you put on a wrestling show. That was what I was going to uh, kind of segue into, and it's nice that you did kind of bring that up about the uh, of the granny. There's always going to be a, a granny that's going to get so worked up, so into it. And I was just going to kind of uh, put that over kind of a broad brush upon uh, your experience with fans themselves. I mean, you've talked about the various degrees and stylistically of, of independent wrestling that you have, have seen. But, uh, you know, the cat has long been out of the bag, of course, uh, about kayfabe, but what has what has it been like you've experienced i mean you talked about the granny but i want to talk about some of the other fans as a whole i mean what have you what have you sampled as far as uh, how heat can be generated and just how a, a crowd can be uh, engaged in this era where uh, even the big dogs like wwe could have their shows hijacked by fans for various things that include beach balls and songs and, and all kinds of different things. What kind of a hold is it like uh, as far as the fans that you experienced along those indie circuits and those varying styles of indie? Well, by far the vast majority of fans that I talked to could not care less uh, about whether things were staged and outcomes predetermined and things like that. They still had their favorites. They still got worked up um, over the heels that were good at generating heat you know, and they, they, they booed him, they yelled at him, they cursed at him, they occasionally threw things at him. It, it, I think that regardless of kayfabe, from what I can tell, the fundamentals of a good wrestling show are the same as they've always been. You know, you have to have uh, characters that are believable. And, and I don't mean that in the sense of, well, whether this little guy can beat up that big guy. Uh, because there were certainly those situations uh, where, you know, there would be a, a team of, you know, clearly kids right out of high school, you know, just old enough to, to, to be able to legally wrestle going against kind of burly guys and, and getting the better of them. And, and so, you know, in a real life situation, that's hard to, it's hard to buy into, but in the wrestling ring, it doesn't matter. It, it what matters is the, um, the, authenticity of the performance, the skill of the, of the performers, uh, both in terms of their ability to execute the moves uh, in, in a way that looks sufficiently believable, uh, and their ability on the mic. You know, there were uh, plenty of examples that I saw of guys that had great mic skills uh, that were really good at, you know, insulting the crowd, and they, got, they had their comebacks, and they, you know, they were just 
they were good at it and it didn't matter that everybody knew that it was a work. Uh, they, it, it still, just like when you go to the, go to the movies and you get excited about, you know, that, you know, Dwayne Johnson's not really hanging off the edge of a giant building. Uh, but it still gets your adrenaline going. Hey, 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 kayfabe, brother, kayfabe. <laughs> yeah, uh, K- Hollywood's all about kayfabe, aren't they? <laughs> Definitely. But my point is that it, 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 the fact, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter that everybody, uh, that kayfabe has been broken uh, for the folks that love the, that, that love wrestling. Yeah, you know, there were certainly some shows that I went to where some some people would show up that were clearly not regulars and would, you know, kind of give the give the wrestlers a hard time and, and, and they weren't buying it and they were there to sort of laugh at it. But that was not the majority. Uh, the majority of the people that I saw, they just love wrestling. They love the, the entertainment value of it. They love the athleticism that, that is shown. Uh, they love the drama that comes out of it. Um, and you know, they don't care that, that a movie is fake when they go and, and they don't care that wrestling is, is, uh, n- not all that it would appear to be. You know, and, and the thing too about you know, following the independence and, and seeing so many different things, thanks to social media and all of these big shows from these, uh, smaller, smaller companies is the balance that they're trying to establish by, uh, you know, making, you're trying to get some of these younger guys on, 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 on the bubble here, but they're also, you know, for a show, uh, a big attraction for a lot of these, even from these small towns, is if you put up a legend. I mean, you got guys that are still out on the circuit. A lot of guys still out on the circuit that are still wrestling today. Like, say, for example, a, a team that uh, cut its teeth in the mid south and went down to work with Watts, has worked with every company, and got into the Hall of Fame here uh, a year or so ago. The Rock and Roll Express. Now, uh, that is a, a couple of guys. What now in their what it has to be now in their sixties that are probably busy every weekend if they wanted to, but it's kind of that balance I've seen a lot between having those veteran guys that can put a few people out, bring a few of the older school fans out mixed in with some of these younger kids. That's absolutely right. And, you know, Ricky and Robert are a great example of that. And they, you know, they are still pros that they can get the crowd going. People love them. They put on a, a great match. Um, and I got a chance to uh, to see them a couple of times last year. I was at a show with them uh, down in Jackson, Tennessee, uh, that USA Championship Wrestling was putting on uh, at the Oman Arena, and uh, that was a fun show because um, they were there and and uh, uh, Cornette was there. And and anyway, I got the chance to talk to them and ask them. So one of the things that I talk about in the book that Teeny was famous for is what the wrestlers called the grip. And the grip was basically, uh, she would put that on you if you broke one of her rules and she wanted to tell you you had broken a rule and tell you that she expected you not to do it again. And what it involved was she would grab, grab you by the chin and squeeze her fingers on either side of your cheek so that your lips kind of pooched out. And she had a pretty good grip and it, it wasn't exactly comfortable uh, to, for her to do it. And she'd look you right in the eye and, and tell you what you did wrong. And it didn't matter how famous you were or how big you were. If, if you broke the rules, you got the grip or maybe you got pulled out of the locker room by your ear, but she wasn't afraid to sort of take things in hand. Well, I got the chance to ask Ricky and Robert. I said, so, uh, 
did you guys ever get put in the grip by teeny <laughs> they both their eyes went big and they said absolutely not they said we knew what was uh, what the rules were in her town and we were not about to break them so no we were on our best behavior when we were around uh, miss christine and that's what most of the boys called her and so it was just funny they were very well familiar uh, with the grip but they said they uh uh, they, they avoided it at all costs. Mm -hmm. And I had another story that was recently told to me by John Cosper, uh, an author who I got to the chance to meet in person in uh, Iowa at a trip that I just went to a few years, weeks ago for the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. And he was telling me, and I'm going to, I don't remember the wrestler's name because it wasn't somebody that I was familiar with. Uh, and he, he made a guest appearance in Louisville uh, uh, one night, uh, he, he was coming through the territory, wasn't there regularly. And he came in and he was being, you know, boisterous and telling body jokes and sort of being his usual self. And Teeny overheard all this and she walked right up to him, never met him before, put him into the grip and said, uh, I think, it, I think his last name was Shane. So Mr. Shane, we do not call women whores, prostitutes, hoes, sluts, or any other such derogatory terms in this town. Do you understand me? And he, she, he's in the grip, and he's kind of got his cheeks pushed up, and he says, yes, ma'am. And she says, okay, then, welcome to Louisville. <laughs> so uh, those stories um, uh, I find the most entertaining just because it shows what a powerhouse she was, uh, how respected she was, and, and how strong she was. Well, yeah, Teeny had the rules. As she set them up, they were pretty basic as day, you know. It's uh, be on time, no foul language, stay away from the rats, and never break kayfabe. Did you ever ask the question, I mean, you talked about with Ricky and Robert, but did you ever, in your in your story with uh, Mr. Cosper, uh, who was a friend of the show as well, I love talking to John, uh, did anybody else share any sort of Teeny memories as you've been on the road tour, uh, as far as like maybe in regards to the grip uh, and, and maybe some other little things? But I mean, the grip, man, that, I mean, to be have Ricky and Robert's eyes bug even at this point in their life and career about something uh, from, that your grandmother was known for. That, that definitely makes, uh, makes it a pretty big, uh, pretty big thing and, and still well-respected well and well-remembered. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I did get the chance, you know, I've talked to a lot of people uh, about her and uh, one that comes to mind, because, you know, she wasn't everybody's cup of tea, right? She, not everybody liked her rules. Not everybody liked being under her thumb. And, and, and one of those guys uh, was the late uh, Brickhouse Brown, may he rest in peace. Um, I got the chance to meet Brickhouse in Las Vegas at the Cauliflower Alley Club reunion this past spring. And I, uh, I asked him, uh, you know, I, I said, hi, Brickhouse, I'm, I'm Brennan Martin, I'm Christine Jarrett's son. And I just uh, uh, wondered, uh, you know, wh whether you had any memories of her that you could share. And he got this look on his face and, and he, he clearly sort of wasn't terribly happy about it. But he, he said, uh, he said, well, he said, uh, one of the, the, the memory that most comes to mind for me was, um, I brought my new baby girl, my daughter, uh, into the matches uh, one night, uh, uh, to, to show her off. And, uh, Miss Christine, uh, I remember what he said, I'll never forget what she said. She said, how can a beast like Brickhouse Brown have such a beautiful little daughter like this? And, and I kind of, that didn't, that didn't sound like teeny. I mean, I, I can see her saying it 
kind of in jest, but I mean, she's, she wasn't someone who um, I knew to be sort of openly confrontational like that. And the way he said it, that's, that's how it came across. And I said, well, how did how'd that make you feel? And he said, well, I didn't like it. And I said, sounds like you guys didn't, uh, didn't get along too well. And he said, well, I didn't like her rules. And then I, I'm trying to, I can't remember who told me a, a story following that about Brickhouse coming in late one night to one of the shows. He was 10 minutes late. Teeny's rule was you be, regardless of when your match is on the card, you be in the building one hour before the bell. And Brickhouse came in 10 minutes late. And I don't know if this was a recurring pattern or, or what, but apparently what she said to him was, well, Brickhouse, you got two choices. You can leave or I can find you. And apparently he decided to turn around and leave uh, because he didn't like the fact that she was going to find him uh, over being just 10 minutes late. But um, I can only imagine that that might have been a, a recurring problem. Um, she doesn't, she never struck me as someone who would take that kind of step sort of on a first offense. And so um, she definitely, you know, not everybody got along with her. Um, Bill Dundee is another one of those guys that uh, I interviewed for the book that, you know, he didn't like her rules. Um, they made it work professionally because uh, Bill was important to the territory and, and, and had a good, great relationship with Jerry. Uh, but, um, but Bill was another one that he just, he, he wasn't a huge fan of hers. And I'm sure there's more that are out there, but the, the, the most of the people that I've talked to uh, respected the fact that it was, it was just business, that it wasn't a personal thing, but if they screwed up, um, you know, she was going to let them know. You're listening to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now. My guest is uh, Brennan Martin, whose uh, wonderful book about his grandmother, Christine Jarrett, is definitely something you should check out. It's called Teeny Professional Wrestling's Grand Dame. And you talked about, uh, it, just talked about Brickhouse Brown. Of course, we lost uh, Brickhouse Brown here recently. Uh, well, I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned Cauliflower Alley. You've, you've been able to kind of take your, uh, beyond just uh, going to the wrestling shows to promote. This has been an endeavor, this tour, uh, this teeny tour that has uh, taken you into these places uh, where you have uh, rubbed shoulders and with not only fans but some of the pro wrestlers alike and kind of again opening up further your involvement in pro wrestling kind of uh, stuff that you didn't really get involved with until really uh, taking on this book tell us about your experiences uh, on the road taking it to like uh, your conventions like the cauliflower alley club and also another place that you were just at uh, in uh, Waterloo, Iowa, at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, uh, Dan Gable Museum down there, uh, Kyle Klingman and company do a great job with uh, their uh, festivities and, and induction uh, ceremonies each year. Could you talk about uh, first the CAC, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, Waterloo? Yeah, those events—they're uh, really—I um, I enjoy going to them a lot uh, because they are—they're really energizing for me. You know, I got to be honest—I'm not selling—I'm I'm far from the bestseller list. I don't sell a whole bunch of these books, but when I go to these shows, I, I sell a few more and I get the chance to talk to people who have uh, bought them uh, and, uh, and they, and they you know, come up and they tell me what they, what they think of the book. And, and, and fortunately, you know, everybody, fortunately for me, everybody who's come up and, and talked to me about it has really enjoyed the book. I, if you didn't like the book, I, you probably wouldn't walk up and tell the author that you didn't like it. So I'm sure the audience is a bit skewed, but yeah, the, those events, the CAC and the one in Waterloo in particular, I think are terrific 
fan events because you do get to, as you said, rub shoulders with some legends. You know, there are some official autograph signing uh, times when, you know, there's a, they're a little bit more standoffish, you know, that you got to pay for an autograph in a lot of cases. Uh, but at the same time, you also get the chance to just see them walking around the casino or, or, or maybe even sit next to them uh, for dinner or, 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 or something like that. And you, you get to know these guys. Um, and, um, you know, for instance, well, we're going to talk about CAC first, but um, that's one where I've been three times now. I went once in 2006 when I was doing research for the book, and then I've been the past two years uh, to market the book. And um, I've, I've really, it's been, um, it's been great for me in terms of how welcoming the, the wrestling community has been to me, who really is, you know, an outsider. I, I, I was never involved in the business. Um, and I, you know, my entrance into this community is brand new. Um, but people seem to really respect what I'm trying to do in terms of, of, of securing Teeny's legacy and getting, getting it, getting her name more known. And I've seen progress with that. People, people do recognize her a bit more, at least the ones that, that go to this, uh, to these events. And so I would certainly encourage anybody who's an old school wrestling fan who has thought about maybe going to one of these to do so. I mean, there's a chance uh, at CAC, for instance, they have a series of seminars uh, that uh, go on where, you know, it'll be different topics um, a few times throughout the day with panels and you get the chance to, to ask, ask the guys questions. Um, and I should say guys and gals, there was uh, um, a large contingent of, uh, of legendary female wrestlers um, at CAC this year. Uh, and that was a lot of fun until I got groped up by an 80-year-old woman in the elevator. Um, and that was funny, but, uh, but it was a, that was a story that my, life, my wife got a good uh, kick out of. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I just, they're, they're great events. Um, I would encourage anybody to, to go. Yeah, there was a big thing at the was it the last CAC, uh, and a lot of ladies were out there. Uh, in the recent years, a lot of gals like the the glow ladies would be uh, a part of it. But there was a lot more uh, uh, through the years. Uh, some professional uh, female wrestlers are out there for uh, what was uh, one of the big events, uh, kind of uh, branded as controversial, but they had a panel on uh, about the fabulous Moolah that had a lot of people's attention out there as well. One of uh, the bigger uh, seminars for for that year of CAC. Exactly. And yeah, that's right. And, and like you said, the Glow Girls were there. A bunch of them were there um, last year. And then um, Hollywood was back this year. Uh, and there were maybe one or two others. Um, and but like, like you said, the the legends were really the ones that uh, um, everybody was talking about and, and getting the chance to to meet this year. Um, and so, you know, those are just those are great experiences for a wrestling fan. And and. Uh, there, there are folks that go every year, and then there's those folks that uh, I talk to that, you know, it's their first time, and they're just wide-eyed uh, with how much they're in, enjoying it and say, you know what, I, I've been wanting to come to this. I'm so glad I did. And, you know, that's not just, um, that's not just old wrestling fans. There's, there's wrestlers, too, um, you know, guys like Rob Van Dam. Um, he and his girlfriend, Katie, uh, were there. Uh, just as attendees, um, they'd been wanting to come. And I guess Katie finally said, okay, we're going this year. So they came out uh, to check it out. Um, I got the chance also to have dinner uh, with Brian Heffron, the Blue Meanie, 
uh, from ECW. Um, He was also, he and his wife were also there just as, um, as attendees. And so it's really a a mixed bag of of folks that, that show up, um, um, which I think just makes it all the more fun. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I absolutely, you know, and another thing about CAC is it's, it's nice that another generation of wrestlers is, is starting to embrace it because, you know, in some years, I mean, if you, if you keep putting it off, there might be a year that you, you wish you would have went and, or you would, you went and somebody wasn't there because, you know, unfortunately uh, we can't just uh, put a pause button on time. And a lot of the uh, great legends of the game are, are starting to leave us here uh, more in recent years i mean i five years ago i was really glad to get out there and uh see nick bockwinkle and also uh, bob geigel who not too long after both of them uh, have passed away and went to the great ring in the sky yeah that's right and, and every year at cac they um so they do there's a local promotion in las vegas that uh puts on shows friday and saturday night or no it's uh, no, I'm getting, I'm getting the timing wrong. Anyway, the first two nights of the event, they, they put on a show, and during that, uh, they always have a, um, a memorial slideshow in which they review um, all the people uh, involved in wrestling who have passed uh, over, over the course of the, the year since the last event. And, uh, you know, that includes, you know, big names as well as folks you never heard of. I mean, it's really from all around the country, they do a great job of collecting information about um, young and old uh, uh, folks that have been been in the ring but have passed for one reason or another, and so that's you know that that's one of the more somber parts of the event. But um, you're absolutely right. I mean, in terms of there are a lot of legends uh, that um, you know every year there's just uh, more and more that that pass on. So 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 if you know if there's somebody you want to see who you know is getting up in years, now's the time to get up get out there and meet them. It's uh, really a great experience to to go out there for a few days out in Vegas. Uh, uh, Of course, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you you might want to look into uh, joining the Cauliflower Alley Club or uh, going... Uh, you just go online and look at it. You know, if you don't go out to Vegas, maybe join the club. You get some really great newsletters, some uh, just just some really good stuff uh, from from CAC. Another place that you were at here, uh, and it's only been a few weeks ago since the time we uh, did this interview, was uh, down in Waterloo, and uh, I've had a chance to go to the Hall of Fame down there. In fact, I didn't go this year because of other commitments. I had a chance to talk with uh, a couple of guys. You probably uh, ran into uh, uh, some friends of the show as well, uh, Bob Johnson and. Uh, of course, from the famed Hart family, uh, Bruce Hart, because the Hart family there was a uh, there was more than just a few Hearts down there uh, this year uh, to uh, you know just to witness uh, the honoring of Owen. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, I I, I got to know Bob a little bit uh, when I went last year, and then and then again this year, and uh, and I got to meet and spend time with um, not just Bruce Hart, but uh, but Keith and Ross and uh, Diana Hart as well. Uh, as well as um, uh, Diana's son, Harry, uh, who is uh, Davies Boy Smith Jr. Uh, in the ring. And, and that's, a, I mean, that's another good example of, you know, where else would you get the chance to just sit down and, and have conversations uh, with, with folks like that from this legendary family? Um, I, I really don't know of any other event uh, where that's even possible. Um, and at the, at the event in Waterloo, it's not just possible, it's easy. 
Now, what were some of your highlights uh, from this year's uh, Waterloo? I haven't had anybody on the program uh, post-Waterloo uh, to, to talk about it, who have attended. Uh, what were some of the things that, that stood out? I, I mentioned the, the, the Hart family uh, down to honor Owen, but there was a lot of few, the things that were, were going on uh, in the midst there. I mean, the, the museum itself is uh, very cool. I even uh, saw some stuff where people went on a tour to look at the building where the old NWA offices were. Yeah, you know, I had no idea that that, it's not just where the NWA offices were, but the NWA was founded in Waterloo in 1948. And there's a hotel there called the Hotel President that um, a a tour did happen. I didn't, I missed the memo on that. I didn't know that was going to, that was going on. And so I didn't go on the tour myself, but uh, I got the chance to uh, walk over there and and take a look at it with Pat LaPrade, another author who you probably know and have had on the show. Oh, wonderful. Um, and we, uh, we didn't get the chance to go inside. Um, and I'm not sure how much there is to see. This, is, uh, this building is now a, a senior home. And so it's locked up. You can't normally go in. So it was fun to see it from the outside and just to know that that's where the NWA was founded. Um, but yeah, the museum itself, um, I was blown away by it last year when I went for the first time because it's a museum that uh, represents uh, amateur and Olympic wrestling as well as professional wrestling. And so seeing that under one roof was a big surprise to me. And I, I don't know if it should have been, but it was. Uh, and so they've got, they've got really cool stuff, everything from, you know, memorabilia from, um, from Dan Gable uh, in, in his career, uh, Kurt Angle uh, in his career, both, uh, 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 both amateur and professional. And then there's a whole room, uh, full of um, full of professional uh, wrestling memorabilia. Uh, so that's a just seeing that museum itself is is really neat. They're they're getting ready to do a big remodel, and I would suspect that when that's going on, there might be uh, a more limited opportunity to see some of the stuff on display because it's a pretty significant uh, uh, sort of reconfiguration of the interior of the museum. Uh, but it's um, it's a great it's a great spot and, and definitely should be on uh, any wrestling fans uh, bucket list. Oh, I, I, agree I also with you. think that they did just, they do such a fantastic job in terms of running the event. Uh, IPW uh, impact pro wrestling, which is different from impact. So this is a local Iowa promotion uh, that runs um, shows uh, throughout Iowa. They put on a show there um, it kind of goes all day. It starts off with an evaluation of young wrestlers. They get to come out and do their thing. And, and some legends like this year, it was Jerry Briscoe and JJ Dillon were ringside to sort of do a written evaluation of, of how they performed and give them, and give them some tips. And then it went into more sort of a tournament format that afternoon. And then at night they put on a, a bigger show that includes uh, both uh, uh, local and, and um, sort of unknown wrestlers uh, as well as um, some stars like uh, Austin Aries uh, was there this year, and Brian Blair, one of he's the president of CAC and, and one half of the Killer Bees. Uh, he won the Battle Royal this year, so it's 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 really a fun event. You know what's funny? Uh, you just mentioned Brian Blair. Uh, around the same time that weekend was going on, uh, Jim Brunzel, I actually was uh, hanging out a little bit with Jim. He was at an, uh, an independent show here in a nearby town called Manoman and uh, had a chance to, to talk with Jim, uh, bought his book. And uh, yeah, the thing was with Jimmy, and uh, we, we talked 
for the most part, 98% of it was about music. So it was kind of fun just to connect. And I, I know that uh, uh, Jimmy's been down there uh, through the years. I've ran in the gym down in Waterloo uh, through the years uh, as well. So kind of fun that you mentioned uh, Brian Blair uh, being a part of that. Yeah, it's great to see uh, see guys like that. That uh, you know, and it's it's good to see guys like Kyle that run the museum out at the CAC, and and similarly, uh, folks from the CAC uh, who are um, out supporting uh, what's going on in Waterloo. The, both those organizations, I think, are are very friendly and have very complementary objectives. Yeah, because I saw in the pictures that uh, Rock Riddle, uh, a longtime uh, stalwart out of, of the CAC, was uh, actually in, in in Waterloo for that for the festivities. Yeah, I think he said uh, this was his first uh, time out there and he was really happy he came. Uh, Rock's just such a, he's such a great personality and a fun guy. Uh, got the chance to get a, a great goofing off photo with him. And uh, um, you just never know who's going to show up. But yeah, Rock, uh, Rock made his debut appearance at, uh, at, in Waterloo this year. I have to say, Rock Riddle is the easiest interview in the business. Why? I just ask him one little question, and uh, he basically uh, can just take the interview over with multiple ranges of voices and reenactments. The guy is, 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 is just one-man entertainment right there. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. That's what he's like in person as well. I, I, I got the chance to get to know him a little bit over the past couple of years at CAC and then now in Waterloo, and he's just he's such a, a friendly, warm person and, and very entertaining. Have you ever gotten the chance to talk to him about his gong show appearances? No, we haven't gotten to the gong show stuff. We, uh, I've had him on the, we've had him on the program, but uh, we, of course with an hour going by, uh, you, you can only get so many uh, shots in, but I, I know that he was on there. I would, and then there was a few other little seventies programs, but the gong show thing must've been just a, a blast to hear about. Yeah. You know, I didn't get the chance to, to, to talk to him about it that much. Um, well, really at all, but it was somebody else that had told me that they had just found out that apparently he was on the gong show. I, I may got, have this wrong, but I think it was like over 20 times. And uh, it was just, he kept showing up with these crazy acts apparently. And um, it just, uh, I think, uh, speaks to um, his personality and, and what you described about him being able to take over an interview. Um, he's a, he's an entertainer through and through. Contrary to the rumor, there was no heat between him and Gene Gene, the dancing machine. <laughs> I cannot say that for certain, but if he was on that many times, surely uh, he, there was not much heat. Man, there's a lot of star power at that gong show, I tell you. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> that's right. You know, as we're kind of heading towards the the final uh, segments uh, here on the on the program, uh, it was during uh, Waterloo weekend that uh, it was the Sunday that. Uh, you know, everybody was heading back and heading home where a lot of people were finding out the news of, of, of the passing of uh, a few wrestlers uh, from the, the pro wrestling God, fraternity. That was just awful. God, yeah. That what, was terrible. Absolutely. You know, and I was in Fargo, uh, like I said, at an, an event the night before, and I woke up to see one or two of these. And I, you know, I was talking with some of my friends uh, who are in the business and, and, and having to break the news to some of them about it. Uh, you know, first, you know, you hear about uh, Nikolai and then you hear about Brian Christopher. You know, you heard about it and you weren't quite sure about it until things started to kind of come in with more details. You had uh, you know, basically Brian Brickhouse and Nikolai, uh, uh, three of the. I mean, man, you talk about some guys that uh, have had some popularity and had some name value, and especially. I mean, we, we, we've talked about Brickhouse 
uh, earlier on. But uh, Brian Christopher, when you talk about the Memphis wrestling through the years, it's the Jarretts and Lawlers and Brian Christopher. My God, what a what a what a talent that he was uh, in his run as Brian Christopher, and then later to the WWE. But boy, talk about a day that just kind of popped the balloon of what had to have been a great weekend in Waterloo. It really did. I, I found out about them all at once because I, um, I made the questionable decision to drive from Denver to Waterloo and back. And uh, so I had stopped for lunch and uh, uh, opened up my phone for the first time and, and got on Facebook while I was waiting for my meal. And that's when I saw the news of all three having passed. Um, it, it was just, you know, July 29th, I think is what the date was. That's uh that's a dark day in, in wrestling history, uh, I think, from here on out. Um, my heart just goes out to, to all the families, um, but obviously as, uh, as important as, as Jerry was um, to uh, Teeny and, and my Uncle Jerry's promotion, um, I, just, um, I just feel terrible for him. I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine uh, what it must be like um, to have to deal with that right now. I mean, it just had to have been just the, the, the ultimate shock to the system. Uh, you know, and, and nobody wants to, no father, no mother wants to, to, to bury their, 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 their children. You know, people expect long lives, but, uh, you know, the pro wrestling business, you know, there's also, with all the great highs, there's also these, these tremendous lows too. And, and, and sometimes away from the spotlight, you know, th- that realness kind of catches up to people. Demons catch up to people. And it was just so unfortunate uh, with, with the case of, of Brian Christopher. When we found out the news about Brickhouse and, and, and Nikolai, thus, you know, that, that was also very sad and shocking. But with with Nikolai, we knew that he had had his problems. He had a heart attack recently, and he wasn't uh, in the best shape. And Brickhouse, he was the guy that uh, kicked out at two from uh, the Grim Reaper earlier on this uh, spring so I mean we had some sort of preparedness for it but when when you hear something just as tragic as what happened with Brian it really really just breaks your heart well it does and and, and you know the, the thing with Brickhouse was was tragic as well and I, I'm going to take this opportunity to give another plug for the CAC because you know what they are all about uh, is not just recognizing and appreciating legends but also helping out financially when they can and um, I think Brickhouse's story is, is particularly tragic uh, because, you know, prostate cancer is, is certainly nothing to, uh, to joke around about, but it's a very treatable disease. My father was diagnosed with it a few years back, and, and uh, he, he, had, he was able to get the medical care he need, where it needed and is now uh, fully in remission. Um, Brickhouse, unfortunately, wasn't able to get that care. He, didn't, he, he couldn't afford it. The CAC stepped in as soon as they found out that there was a problem. Um, but at that point it was just too late and he was too far gone. So, um, just, you know, I, I am one of these people that believes everybody should have access to good, uh, medical care, regardless of, of income. Um, I know not everybody, uh, believes in that, uh, but I, I certainly do. And, and so I feel like that, you know, Brickhouse, was a victim of of the current system that we have right now and and um he he shouldn't have he shouldn't have had to die as early as he did no no and considering you know when you look at brickhouse through the years and just how in shape this man was and just how dedicated he was to personal health physical fitness 
to not be able to get that care and not be able to have that uh, detected something like prostate cancer too that's another just a, a, another uh, nail nail in the heart you know it absolutely is well, uh, you know, we got a little few minutes left. We got to try to end this on a bit of an up note, a, a little bit here. You know, I mean, we've had such a great conversation, and now we went into the very special episode part of the uh, of our interview today. I want I want to know, and I don't think we really got a chance to ask you uh, the last time uh, when when we had you on. Uh, have you heard much feedback, uh, you know, from your uncle or uh, your cousin Jeff uh, in regards to putting out this uh, book, Teeny? Uh, I, I just want to ask, I don't, I don't know if I'm stepping on toes here, but I just wanted to know, if did you get much uh, feedback, or if any at all, from Jerry, who I've noticed has his own podcast now, and uh, he's taken back to Twitter and kind of been a, ah, he's, he's got the old, uh, he's not afraid to tangle with, uh, with people like the likes of Bruce Pritchard. But yeah, can you talk a little bit about the feedback, if any, from, from the Jarrett clan uh, in regards to Jerry? Jerry and Jeff? My uncle Jerry has been uh, completely silent on the matter. I have not heard from him. Um, uh, I tried reaching out to him just recently, uh, but uh, was not able to connect with him. Uh, Jeff, I have talked to, um, and, you know, Jeff, um, if you saw his uh, induction speech into the the Hall of Fame uh, with the WWE earlier this year, you know, he ended well, except for the song. We'll we can overlook we, that. We could forget but, uh, that that happened. He, that was just that was just spirited stuff. Uh, yeah, but the, I mean, the the whole crux right. of what he had to say, though. Yeah, right. The crux of what he had to say. You know, he ended uh, with with thanking Teeny uh, for everything, and and you know, he I, I know for a fact that uh, he um, loved her and respected her, and, and really um, in his mind owes her a, a lot. Uh, but um, he's decided not to, to support me in, in my efforts uh, with this book. Um, so um, I, I did reach out to him. I expect to see him in uh, Schaumburg, Illinois. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a booth at StarCast, which is the sort of the fan fest that goes along with the All In show uh, that's going on uh, there outside Chicago. And uh, uh, so I actually just sent him an email last night uh, saying I was looking forward to Looking forward to seeing him, but disappointed about the fact that I was too late to get tickets to his uh, uh, total nonstop Jarrett session. I, I decided a little late to, to, to go out there for the show. Um, but, but no, I'm, uh, I'm sort of a solo uh, act on, on this uh, at this point, um, trying, to, uh, trying to get the word out about Teeny and, and all that she did. Well, let's hope that uh, things work out somewhere down the line. But yeah, the StarCast—that's uh, another thing. Uh, boy, that the All In—that this is uh, one of those things that you know kind of creates a ripple effect a bit because once the All In proved to be uh, a sold-out show. Uh, things got in motion. I think that that kind of affected also the way ROH and New Japan were able to get into Madison Square Garden. These are guys that are putting it in and actually li- literally going all in, whether it's with finances, their time, their money, their everything, to to try to make it uh, a little more interesting in the world of professional wrestling. To try to give uh, some of these independents, these great athletes, a little more than you know just waiting for the WWE to call. I think this is just a great thing from head to you know from start to finish with including podcasts and other things into this weekend, this all-encompassing all-in. I agree. I mean, it's a really interesting uh, development in the world of wrestling promotion, the, fact, the idea of, of the wrestlers sort of taking things into, hand, into their own hands themselves. Um, at least that's, I know, what, what happened uh, with all-in. Uh, I'm not as familiar with what's going on with, uh, with the Madison Square Garden show. Uh, but I, I, I think it's great. You know, I, 
I'm one of those that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the uh, same uh, side of the fence as Jim Cornette in terms of not being a big fan of, of some of the theatrics that, that goes on uh, with some of the, uh, uh, some of these other promotions and, and um, some of the silliness uh, that they bring into the, the ring. I, I'd prefer to see, you know, a bit more of an old school style event, but you know what, that doesn't matter. Um, wrestling fans, they like what they like. And, uh, and they, these guys had no problem uh, selling out a 10,000-seat arena before the card was even known. So I think that just says a lot about uh, wrestling fandom and, and how much people are hungry for something more than what the WWE and Impact are providing right now. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Uh, before we go... I'm going to let you uh, take the floor over here. Uh, if is there anything uh, that you'd like to uh, let the fans know, uh, information about the book, anything else that uh, you just want to get across here before uh, we go our separate ways uh, on this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now? Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll get commercial on, on you now and, and remind everybody that they can pick up uh, the book, either paperback or uh, a Kindle version through Amazon. Uh, you can buy it there. And since I talked to you last, I've also put out an audio book. So oh. I know not everybody likes to uh, to read, but a lot of people like listening to podcasts. And, and so I wanted to try to tap into that crowd as well. So you can get the audio book version of uh, Teeny, Professional Wrestling's Grand Dame, either on Amazon, Audible, or iTunes. Uh, so I would encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, people who have read it seem to like it based upon the the reviews that I've gotten on Amazon and um, I would, uh, I'd love to, I love it. I want everybody to know about Teeny's story. So uh, I'm doing my best to, to make that happen. Yeah, it's a fantastic book. I'll vouch for the man here. I've enjoyed it and I've revisited it again here uh, just recently. And it's been wonderful having you on. You are my, uh, my, uh, I put out the casting call and you, uh, you, t- you answered it. You were the first one to answer out of the ones who were, were ready to go and it's always fun talking with you. It's always fun interacting with you online as well, uh, whether it's on the Facebook, uh, on our pages, or just you know our personal stuff. And it's always uh, fun. T- and just glad to know you, man. And and, and keep on uh, whatever. Keep on just spreading the word about your grandmother through this book. And and also don't be a stranger to wrestling memories then and now. Glenn, I would be happy to come back anytime. I really appreciate you having me back on. Uh, this has been fun, and, and I hope we do get to do it again. Yeah, and uh, maybe we'll bring like an extra wrestler, or I'll have the grizzled vet Mike uh, back from his uh, vacation, uh, that jet setter. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. All right, for uh, Brennan Martin, I'm Glenn Broggett. You've been listening to Wrestling Memories Then and Now.